What's going on? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It is heard live every day from noon to three on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content like invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with all the links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And again, thank you so much for your support. Uh, The North Carolina... Primary is underway already. The actual election day is on March 5th, but early voting is underway right now. And depending on where you live, you may have some primaries that you can vote in. If you are a Republican, one of those is the North Carolina 8th Congressional District. I want to welcome to the program one of the candidates for that post. Lee Brown, welcome. Uh, Lee, how are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Certainly. So uh, first off, for people who do not know uh, who you are and your background, uh, sort of give us the, uh, uh, the elevator pitch. Where do you come from? Uh, where, you know, where are you from? And uh, why on earth would you decide to run for Congress? Well, I am born and raised in Cabarrus County. If anybody knows where Concord Mills Mall is, that's where my family farm used to be, is that area, because obviously it's changed a lot in the years. My husband and I now live in the unincorporated part of the county on the other side of Harrisburg. And We've raised our two kids there, our daughter's in college, son's a senior in high school. I'm a career real estate broker. I've got an office in Concord, and I'm running for Congress because, frankly, I'm frustrated with how things are going. I believe our country's at a turning point, and I think a good conservative mama bear can bring a different perspective that can maybe just help us turn the corner with some common sense. So, uh, well, I'm sure you're aware, you've heard before, it's not that common. That common sense, right? You've, you've, you've probably encountered this, this truism as well. So, look, I work in real estate. I work with <laughs> the general public. So I have a, a high measure of patience with people because I have to. And, frankly, I think we all have a lot more in common than we've been led to believe by the mainstream media because there's obviously a concerted push to keep us all fighting with each other. And I think... When people slow down a little bit and talk to each other, we find out we can get solutions in place. Well, this was actually, I talked about this a great deal yesterday, um, the the foundation of the American society being civic organizations, because it it teaches us as individual citizens precisely what you're talking about is how to get along with other people that may have just come together to solve a particular specific problem or issue and, you know, this is what Alexis de Tocqueville talked about when he came and visited America and wrote about democracy in America. And he talked about how we as Americans, we create these associations for all sorts of things. And that's really what is keeping and has kept America uh, sort of on the path as opposed to where France went uh, with the bloody revolution that they saw. Um, and so he he noted the civic organizations. But that's not something I don't know if that's something that government can do and can, I mean, obviously can't force people, right? I mean, so I guess what are your thoughts on that? Well, government was never designed by our founding fathers to be this behemoth that it is now. I mean, we were a society for a long time where the community took care of its people. We didn't need big daddy government to supplement for housing and food and health care and retirement and everything else. In fact, the center point of our communities has always been the church. And when somebody was down, man, the church rallied around them. You look at the old barn raisings, and it still happens now in our church community. Somebody's sick, or there's a death in the family, and we put together 
the food train and the visitation and we really take care of each other. That's just what we have to focus on rebuilding. And the, the church has been taken out of the center of conversations because there are people that want to destroy faith. And that's one of the most important things that we all need in life to keep moving is a belief in something and the belief in something shouldn't be in the government. So we can return that to the church, return it to the community. And we do that by learning how to lean on each other. In fact, you bring up civic organizations. Look at Habitat for Humanity. I think that's one of the best examples ever, and it's in all of our counties throughout the 8th District. It's a hand up instead of a hand out. You find somebody that's just almost there, and one little boost, and Shazam, they're homeowners. They are part of the community. The kids do better in school. Healthcare outcomes are improved. And they didn't get anything for free. They just got a hand up. And that's what the government should be doing is not telling us how to live or what to do. But be the support, be a reasonable guideline so that we don't, you know, cheat each other out of things. And I, I just have to believe that if Habitat can survive in these communities, the government can be returned to common sense. Yeah. So, that, well, you, you talk about a, a, a couple of topics there. You touched on purpose, faith, right? These are things that people... I think intrinsically, instinctively, we have to have. Uh, otherwise, we go astray. Um, and I think people, when they, you know, we've become less religious, but uh, people still put their faith in things and institutions. Except, I think a lot of them have have kind of looked to government and put their faith over there. Well, you're right. We, you know, we're designed as humans. We're designed to to put faith in something. And when you have a vacuum there, that you're you're falling away from God or from the church, you're going to fill it with something, which I think is why we've fallen into this space of thinking the government needs to fix everything and create this utopia, which will never happen because, you know, humans. Right. So we have to get back to a place where we, we celebrate faith and we celebrate people wanting to do great things instead of denigrating them for that. And I, I see this all the time where, I mean, well, look at this pastor in Union County. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole mess going on with a bad sermon, let's just call it what it was, a bad sermon, an incorrect message, doesn't make the church bad, and it doesn't make the believers bad. And that's what's been happening with a lot of the messages, at least I've been seeing online, and maybe we should just ban comment threads. Maybe that's the answer to fixing all of this. <laughs> wait, 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 hang on. You're getting pretty close to my line of work now. All right. All right. Uh, well, no, it, it is actually a, a really good example of, uh, I've been saying this for years, which is unchallenged ideas are easy to hold. Right. He gets up there and, and he says what he says about, you know, essentially, I mean, it is literally the example of, right, uh, you know, uh, the, the blaming the victim for wearing a skirt that was too high. Right. Or too short, rather. Um, it's like the classic example of it. But that's not the first time I'm sure that he has said something like that. And the people around him don't challenge it. And so when you don't have people around you challenging you on uh, things that you're saying, it's very easy to conjure up really, you know, uncommon sensical positions, if I if I can call it that. Um, Todd well, Aiken. We've we built a leadership model now where there is a disincentive to challenge your leaders because you'll be called a name, you're an hysterophobe if you disagree with what the purported leadership says. But in reality, there has to be a space for... I hear what you're saying, however I disagree with it, without it turning into complete destruction of the other person. And if you don't challenge it, like you said, it it perpetuates. 
It's also the example of if he's been preaching that message for all these years and it just now came to light because of the video that's everywhere, well, sunlight is a wonderful disinfectant, Mm -hmm. and I think we need more of that in D.C. as well. Instead of spending bills that are 1,400 pages long, that we get back to itemized approval or disapproval, which is going to force a lot of people to either stand on your own two feet or disagree with something instead of hiding it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, you mentioned spending. So, and I think this came up uh, as one of the questions during the uh, uh, the debate that WBT hosted with all of the candidates for uh, for the eighth congressional district a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so, funding for Ukraine, uh, you are you for that? Against it? What about military support for Ukraine? I'm a big no on that, and the reason for it is that I have done the research. I've listened to the experts from that region. That is a thousand-year-old conflict, and I just don't see that the U.S. has any place getting involved in that, particularly when we have more pressing issues at home. Now, that being said, maybe somebody brings me an argument and says, you know what, here's why we should support it. All right. Before I say yes to anything, I want to know where the $200 billion that we've already spent has gone. I'd like to see an accounting for it because I personally believe there has been a lot of corruption going on, a lot of money laundering. And you're going to have to tell me that that's clean dollars being spent before I agree to it. And don't even think about asking our young men and women to put boots on the ground in a conflict that does not affect the U.S. Surely you're not suggesting that a former Soviet state might be a bit corrupt. (laughs) I know it's a shocking thing to get your mind around, but you know, come on, man. Ukraine, everybody knows. It doesn't take much research to see how much corruption exists there. In fact, when I was at Chapel Hill, now, understand this is 30 years ago, and I hate to admit that out loud, but hey, I had a wonderful (laughs) professor, and we had a class on post-Cold War, and we were talking about the relationships between the U.S. and the USSR, the ICBMs and all of the different things that went into play. And even in that class, we were talking about the corruption in some of the provinces, which included Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And that's back in the 50s. We're not going to solve it right now with U.S. dollars while we're simultaneously in a debt crisis with inflation and a, a group of elected officials who seem to think printing money is an answer. And I don't know if they watched the Bad West Wing episode or what caused them to think that you can print money endlessly and not cause pain to the average citizen, but that's what's happened. Well, let's not say either or. It could be all of the above, because uh, I'm sure they have. <laughs> I'm sure they have watched West Wing episodes. Uh, joining me for a couple more minutes here is Lee Brown. She is one of the Republican candidates in the uh, in the field for uh, the uh, primary that is underway right now. The primary date itself is March 5th, but early voting is underway for the North Carolina Congressional District 8. Uh, Republican primary. Um, so, Lee, I, I meant to ask you um, at, at the beginning, do you have any uh, elected office experience or have you ever run for an office before, anything like that? I have run twice in the past. I was not successful in either of those races, but I have served in positions of leadership in organizations such as the North Carolina Realtors, where I was state president last year. I've been the vice president of the National Association of Realtors. 
I've been the chair of Habitat for Humanity, and I've been a leader in my church. So I have leadership experience. It's just in a different kind of environment. Were those races that you ran in, were they uh, local, state, national, or, or congressional races? Well, the elected offices that I lost, I ran for state house in 2014, and then I ran for Congress in the special election in 19, which was part of this district. But, yeah. of course, the new configuration now includes Cabarrus County. The last time I ran, I was my primary residence is four miles outside of where the lines were. So the voters were very clear that they wanted somebody whose permanent residence is inside the district. And I'm hearing that again this time because, of course, we have candidates that don't live in the district. And the people want the representative to be one of them. So I've heard that loud and clear. And it was one reason I ran again when I found out Dan Bishop was going to go forward to become attorney general to take care of the state. Um, You mentioned uh, spending. This is one of uh, my beefs. It's for a very, very long time now, unfortunately. You know, it started as a... Uh, you know, the omnibus continuing resolution. And it was like, oh, my gosh, it's an emergency. We got to get it done just this one time. And now it's become the standard way that we do spending in Washington, D.C. And despite promises from various uh, Republican leaders over the years, they've not been able to get us back to the regular order. And um, the the way it's supposed to go is like 12 appropriations bills and that sort of thing. Um so I guess, like, what are your thoughts on the way we do the budgeting and how would you be effective in trying to change it if you are interested in doing so? We're going to have to have a balanced budget amendment. It's just going to come down to the the fact that our elected officials have not shown a proclivity for doing it if you don't force them into it. But that's one of the reasons I had agreed to be the chair of the term limits project in North Carolina. I think one of the reasons there is a disincentive to stop spending is that our elected officials run and run and run and run and run. and They just want to stay in office, so they have no reason to cause trouble with the electorate. Well, if you have term limits, and let's just say it's five terms in the House, so 10 years total, at a certain point, you're going to have to put up or shut up because you're going to be out of there. And I think we would elect people who can put together a focused plan because they'll be under a timeline to get the job done. And frankly, we are just so far over the edge on spending right now. We're in a space where we're going to have to actually practice some austerity to not absolutely cause this country to default on everything, and it's going to have to happen very quickly. I bring my experience as a woman who runs a business where I have inflows and i have outflows and they have to match Mm -hmm. and at my household we have inflows and outflows and i actually don't want all of my outflow to match my income because i like savings and i'd like to have a respectable retirement we have to bring real world experience to dc because it looks like they're asking us to live by different rules than our government does and that's got to stop so if uh there's no mandatory term limits uh would you term limit yourself? Oh, heck yes. In fact, somebody said to me on the interwebs the other day, oh, so you're going into politics. You need a new career. And I said, the problem with your comment is that politics is not supposed to be a career. We were designed from our very foundation to be guided by citizen legislators. Hey, go take a turn, serve, and then come home. I am not going to D.C. to be a swamp rat. I have 10 acres. I have a church I love. We have chickens in the yard. I want my kids to come back and 
get married and have grandkids, and I don't want to live in D.C. forever, but I do feel a calling to serve my community because I have a different perspective. And I think conservative women bring a different viewpoint. And let's just be honest, I can't be canceled because I've survived teenagers, and that's the toughest pathway anybody can follow. (laughs) I want to serve. I want to do a great job. I want to look my neighbors in the eye at the grocery store and at church because I'm going to come back home, and I want to be able to lay my head down at night and say I did the best I could for my community. The website, if you want to learn more about Lee Brown, is Lee Brown for Congress. That's L-E-I-G-H, Brown, and then spelled out for Congress. LeeBrownForCongress.com. Thanks so much for your time, Lee. I appreciate it, and uh, good luck on the campaign trail. I appreciate it. Thanks for all you do in the community. All right. Take care. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out um i have talked about this topic before but now it's real because politico has covered it now it's real headline biden's brother used his name to promote a hospital chain then it collapsed you're only as strong as your weakest link in the chain anyway in 2017 A hospital, by the way, that applies to crime families as well, just in case you're wondering. In 2017, and I'm not going to do the whole thing, because this this entire piece, when I say this is a massive write-up, one, two, three, four, eight pages, seven pages, sorry, seven pages, it'll take you an hour to read through this piece, which I did, so you don't have to. You're welcome. I'm a giver. In 2017, a hospital operator set out to build a rural Healthcare empire with the help of a Philadelphia area consultant. That consultant had no experience running hospitals, but he did understand the federal government and he had ties to labor unions. Perhaps most importantly, he was the younger brother of Joe Biden. His name is Jim. Jim Biden. The final years of the Obama administration had cemented the former vice president's towering stature. In the world of healthcare, where he had made the fight against cancer a top federal priority and then a centerpiece of his legacy building efforts. For then 67 year old Jim Biden, the third of four Biden siblings, his ties to his older brother made up much of his pitch as he pursued deals that could help AmeriCorps make money from drug rehab, lab testing, and even cancer treatments. Quote, this would be a perfect platform to expose my brother's team to your protocol, Jim wrote to the CEO of a Tampa area company that controlled licensing rights to an experimental cancer treatment that the hospital operator, AmeriCorps, wanted to offer. And Jim said, quote, 
could provide a great opportunity for some real exposure. Note what he's selling, right? Exposure. A perfect platform to expose my brother's team. Who's he talking about? Joe Biden skinny dipping in the White House pool? No, he's talking about the Biden administration or the people around him, because at that point he was the vice president, right? But his team, vice president's team, Jim Biden, this email, by the way, obtained by Politico from a person close to the company, documents one of the many ways in which Jim Biden invoked his brother's name and clout in the course of his work with AmeriCorps. I don't know why I say it. I just feel like I have to say it like that. It's a very strong name, like Max Powers, you know? Anyway, AmeriCorps has since gone bankrupt, wreaking havoc in rural communities in the process. Jim Biden spoke of plans to give his brother equity in AmeriCorps. This according to a former AmeriCorps executive. Also, they were going to install Joe Biden on the AmeriCorps board, according to another executive. He also said, Jim also said, that if AmeriCorps could find a winning business model for rural health care, his brother could promote the company in a future presidential campaign. That came from a third official from AmeriCorps. All three were granted anonymity to discuss a company mired in legal and political controversy. Interesting. So you're cutting deals. This is obviously after Hillary lost and before Joe announces that he's going to run for president in 2020. So I guess this was before President Trump made the comments at Charlottesville. Because remember, that's what Joe said prompted him to run. Right. Anyway, in order to fund AmeriCorps expansion, Jim Biden offered to secure capital from investors in the Middle East, because that's where you go in order to save rural health care systems in America and fight cancer. Right. At AmeriCorps Hospital in southern Kentucky, ravaged by staff departures and dwindling medical supplies, a patient actually died of cardiac arrest in late 2018 after receiving substandard care. Four years after its bankruptcy, federal investigators are still pursuing questions about what else happened at AmeriCorps. In September, the SEC accused one of Jim Biden's business partners of fraud related to loans to the company. The business partner denies those allegations. The Justice Department found that AmeriCorps Hospital in Pennsylvania entered into sham service agreements and that it paid kickbacks as part of a scheme that billed the government for medically unnecessary lab tests that the hospital shipped out to be performed elsewhere. Those actions are at the center of a federal prosecution of a $100 million conspiracy to defraud Medicare, which has netted a guilty plea from one recipient of one of the kickbacks. Now, House Republicans pursuing an impeachment inquiry... They're asking some questions about old AmeriCorps and Jim Biden. Politico investigation. uh, This investigation renders the most detailed picture to date of the ways in which Joe Biden's relatives leveraged his public stature to advance a private business venture. What, what, What does that mean? Influence peddling, right? That's what they're talking about. 
but we don't know if Joe knew anything. So we can't call it that yet. We don't know if he actually did anything. Jim's role was larger than previously reported. His name is actually included in um, in materials and documents as one of the top leaders, actually. The investigation also reveals Joe Biden's name and his inner circle were more involved with the company than has been understood. There's that voice from nowhere uh, uh, reporting instrument right there. But this is a technique that media will use, right? This voice from nowhere. Joe was more involved with the company than has been understood. By whom? (laughs) Understood by whom? In addition to the accounts provided by former executives, investor materials describe Jim as an advisor to his older brother. So they put it right there in the investor materials. And on top of Joe Biden's previously reported encounter with the CEO of AmeriCorps, at least three of Joe's relatives worked for AmeriCorps. But Joe had no idea, people. Please, he had no idea. Just because he's leading the moonshot cancer effort doesn't mean that his brother and three family members who are working with AmeriCorps on a potential cancer screening process that they're very excited about and maybe going to introduce all of the AmeriCorps people to Joe's team. Joe didn't know anything about any of this. What are you talking about? They never made the intro. Hello. Jim, Jim's wife, Sarah, and his son, Jamie, and Joe's son, Hunter, all met with the CEO. And Joe's personal doctor as well. Met with him, too. Kevin O'Connor. He's the White House physician. They all joined a meeting with Jim and the president of a hospital being acquired by AmeriCorps. Politico's investigation did not find that Joe Biden involved himself in the firm or took actions on its behalf. But Joe did benefit indirectly. Hmm, you don't say indirectly? Yes, indirectly. Because on the same day that Jim got a check for $200,000 from AmeriCorps, he wrote a check himself and he made it out to his brother. The White House has said that the check was a repayment for a loan. But the White House did not respond to questions about the circumstances of the loan and whether Joe was aware of his brother's income from AmeriCorps. So they don't know any of the details. This is like the Fanny defense here, right? Just to bring it full circle from the first hour of the program, right? The Fannie Willis defense. Oh, we, we, we didn't know what was going on here. I'm just like, you know, may, oh, maybe he's got a cash stash too. Who knows? Hard to say. Joe otherwise remained on the sidelines as his name and relatives became intertwined with a company that was pitched as a vehicle for his legacy. See, Joe's on the sidelines. Joe doesn't know anything. This is just his legacy we're talking about. He doesn't trifle with these types of things. It's just his legacy named after his dead son that he always talks about. See? Duh. It's very obvious. All right. Hey, maybe you have heard by now DraftKings Sportsbook is coming to North Carolina. It's coming soon. On March 11th, to be exact, DraftKings is one of America's top-rated sports books with same-game parlays, money lines, and props. The best features like odds boost and live betting and social betting groups where you can share your bets with your friends in real time. DraftKings is safe, it's secure, and reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. And it all starts on March 11th. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and then place your bets on your favorite sports once it goes live. And again, it goes live on 
March 11th. And now here's the disclaimer. Gambling problem? Call 877-718-5543 or visit morethanagame.nc.gov. 21 plus, North Carolina only. Eligibility restrictions apply, subject to regulatory licensing requirements, and see terms at draftkings.com slash sportsbook slash nc. Let's go to the phones here and talk to Shane. Because why not? Hello, Shane. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pete. Good to talk to you again. Well, yes, sir. Um, Thanks for calling. Pete, um... I was watching that first. It might have been the second Fox debate with Nikki Haley, and she was asked about Social Security. And she was talking about how the politicians had spent the money, it was gone, and it was just a hard truth, and we was going to have to work till we were 72 because the money was gone. And I understand hard truths, I do. But the very next question to her was about Ukraine. Well, when it comes to Ukraine, she was talking about, well, we need to support them open-ended commitment, mm-hmm. whether that be 60 or $120 billion or a trillion dollars. So what I'm hearing is Nikki Haley wants me to work another seven years to fund her foreign wars. I mean, I think that's a, I mean, that's a pretty logical, linear way of thinking about it, yeah? Um, yeah. Yeah? Uh, I mean, I don't see no other way. And well, uh, how old are you now, Shane? trillion dollars. I'm 53. Well, so it would not be you and me. You, I mean, normally when people talk about raising the age for Medicare, or uh, sorry, for well, Social she Security. Said for people my age. She was saying for people her age. How old? Um, she which, was saying, she gave an age? I don't remember her giving an she, age. She she did. She said for people my age. Well, I'm pretty right, right there with Nikki Haley. Mm-hmm. So, so if she's saying for people her age, then it's for people my age. Right. So the traditionally regardless, do we wanna are we gonna spend another trillion and then the next generation has to work till they're seventy five or eighty? How far do you want to go with this stuff? So we spent what kind of money in Afghanistan and in Iraq just to turn these places right back over to people we was fighting? Mm-hmm. My God, we 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 armed those cavemen over in Afghanistan with some of the finest weapons in the world. All right, so you're you're I now mean, bringing in, hang on, crazy. Shane, you're now bringing in a bunch of different arguments. Okay, so the, 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 first, the first argument on Social Security and stuff, now you're talking about how we wage war, because I don't think people would have objected to the price of the wars had we actually prosecuted them to win, right? If we had fought well, those... I agree with that. But right, that's, what, that was, that's what I'm saying. Okay, so, right, so we agree. So I want to kind of put that aside because it's not so much that people were objecting to the spending levels for the wars. It was the fact that we spent all the money, but then didn't want to win them apparently. And then when we left, we turned over all of the equipment to the, to the enemy. Right. So there's that component of it, but the, 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 on the, on the social security retirement age, like something has to be done. And I got to run Shane. I do appreciate the call, but something has to be done because the programs are insolvent. So there's only a couple of things that you can do to rein that in. Yes, we can cut spending, but the, the, the debt load for these things, the unfunded liabilities are so high, so high. You're going to have to do something. And people are living longer. And if they're going to live longer, then maybe you push back the retirement age for people that are working at a younger age. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I could not do the show without your support and the support of the businesses that advertise on the podcast. So if you'd like, please support them too and tell them you heard it here. You can also become a patron at my Patreon page or go to thepetecalendarshow.com. Again, thank you so much for listening and uh, don't break anything while I'm gone.